Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are here again, ladies and gentlemen. This is Coach T. Tate, as I don't make reference to all the time, but it's basketball season again, so I guess that's how I'm going to be referred to by a lot of my good friends and neighbors and, of course, the athletes that I work with. And, of course, we're here on the Watkins Awards show and guess, guess who I got with me again today? As you can imagine, my sidekick, right hand man, he keeps looking around. That <laughs> I don't know that that crooked star over his <laughs> his left shoulder, Jay Everett Pearsall. How you doing today, sir? Absolutely outstanding, and awaiting for your football team to come on Monday Night Football tonight, so I can root against them. Well, look here. We won't we won't <laughs> spread all this stuff around. I mean, you're in that relicky type basement of yours, and I see you do have something that certainly captures my imagination, and that is a jersey, a jersey, and that jersey is none other than our special guest who's coming up today. Ben Tate from Maryland Eastern Shore, as a matter of fact, and a former Auburn Tiger. So, Pearsall, this is going to be another great day. And let's just look back. I mean, I'm looking back over. This is the 39th edition. 39. Whoa! Pearsall. Can Whoa. you imagine 39 shows, man, after only doing the first one? Oh, man, back in, what, January the 25th, 2021, man. So It seems been, like yesterday. Seems like yesterday. Seems like yesterday. So, you know, first of all, I want to start off, you know, as I always do, the views and opinion of this show is those of Coach T. Tate and yours truly. Jay Everett Pearsall. So if you got a problem, you got a problem. Don't hold the station responsible. Don't hold the sponsors or our advertisers responsible. Hold Jay Everett Pearsall and I, because I know some of the stuff that we talk about kind of hard to believe. I mean, is it that hard to believe? Well, I shouldn't ask you to question because that's unfair. But, you know, some people just don't believe every week. For 40, I mean, for what, as I meant, 39, I'll give me a say 40, but for 39 straight shows, we've had academic All-American after academic All-American after academic All-American to come on to the show over and over and over again. So let's quickly just talk about the alliance, Pearsall. What is the National Alliance of African-American Athletes? I mean, what is it? It is a nonprofit 501c3 organization that uses the sport, sporting industry and athletes to empower disenfranchised youth. We know that kids look up to entertainers and performers on the field, or a.k.a. athletes. And so we picked the venue that we were most familiar with, which is athletics, and we patterned an organization that uses these athletes and shows individuals an example of 
really what success can be made if they pay attention to the books and are good character of good character and good citizens. Well, and out of the National Alliance of African American Athletes, which is an organization, what is this Watkins Award trophy all about? And so back in 1992, uh, and we started the organization in 1989, um, we decided to uh, embark upon a journey of recognizing the top African-American male high school senior in the country. At that time, one of our founding uh, fathers for the organization was named Franklin D. Watkins, had passed away before we really got things moving. And so the concept of the award is basically scouring the country for the top basketball, baseball, and football players in the country, no matter where they are, and then recognizing them just for that as a nominee for the Watkins Award, but then putting the ball in their court by asking them to submit a package, which helps us to understand who they are off the field. And so at that point, we're looking at their scholastic aptitude. We're looking at their community service. We're looking at all the things that they represent to the people that they come in contact with. And we have a committee of individuals that will then go back and and grade those packages and come up with the top five every year, year in and year out. And incredible young men they are. You would not believe that all of the individuals that are of high caliber in terms of their school, their athletic ability are really individuals who've got 4.5s and 4.7 and 4.0 grade point averages. It is absolutely amazing. But hence, uh, our now 30th year of recognizing the top African-American scholar athlete in the country as a high school senior. So you let's let's go to something that's concrete. Because you talk about community service, which could mean a bunch of things. But let's start with GPA, grade point average. So what is the lowest grade point average are you willing to accept as a senior in high school? Great question, Tyrone. Uh, It's not a matter of us accepting a lowest grade point average. It's really not a matter of that. The process bears itself out. When we first started this award back in 1992, I dare say the individual may have had a 3.1 or a 3.2. But again, the competitive nature with which this process forces individuals to go through in order to compete for our award, it pushes up the level of academic performance. And so if, in fact, all of our individuals that we were nominating all had 3.0s or 2.9s or 3.1s, well, then that would be the bar. I don't set the bar. The kids set the bar. So you would be amazed to know that the bar has been raised so high that I'm certain that a lot of people look at it and say, well, I can't compete with that 4.5. I can't compete with that 4.0 and that 4.4 and that 4.7. And dare I say 5.0 in the case of Christopher Burnett. And so if you're not about that or if you haven't accomplished that, you know, you're really not going to be able to compete because I didn't set a limit. I didn't say don't fill out an application for my award if you don't have a 4.0. It's the individuals that were nominated. They set the bar and they have set the bar. 
enormously high, higher than if they were not an athlete at all. So you got these incredible scholars now who are setting the bar. I mean, is there a minimum of a, a an athletic credential that I must have uh, as well? Can I win just one award? Can I be just the the star at my high school? I mean, what what is the bar for athleticism? Great question. And so when we look at all three sports, we're talking about the top 150 football players, the top 50 basketball players, and the top 50 baseball players. So Mm. if you fall into that category, uh, then you can be nominated for the award, which was then you have to embark upon the journey of competing so that we recognize you. Okay. So, um, I mean, you're a one-man record machine. I mean, (laughs) I I like your shirt that you have on there. I mean, let me just kind of... Uh, get a few things straight here because you you mentioned that you're nonprofit, so that means you take donations. So I I've heard about something called Amazon Smile, which you can use that to raise money. So if somebody has an Amazon account, they can switch it to Amazon Smile, and that offers them the opportunity to donate to the National Alliance of African-American Athletes? Absolutely. I do that. I mean, I'm ordering from Amazon, you know, several times a week. And I switch mine over from just a regular Amazon account to the Amazon Smile, which gives um, Amazon the ability to donate uh, a portion of the proceeds to the National Alliance of African-American Athletes. And it was, let me tell you, very simple. I'm not a person um, that is real tech savvy. However, the fact that I sell uh, IT. I'm not very tech savvy when it comes to things like that. It was extremely easy to just switch over and allow uh, the organization to now receive donations based on the everyday purchases, the things that you're going to buy anyway. I'm not asking you to go out and go into Amazon right now and buy something expensive or really make a, a major purchase on Amazon just so you can donate to us. I'm just saying do the things that you normally do on Amazon. And by simply clicking on our organization as a benefactor of your purchases, we'll now get a portion of the proceeds. It's as simple as that. The prices aren't any higher. There's no trouble in doing it. It's the same item you would have purchased, whether you clicked on our name or not. So, um, you know, you, you're telling me now, all I got to do is go to Amazon and turn my regular Amazon account to Amazon Smile. Correct. And I'm not going to be charged any extra money to make a donation to the National Alliance of African-American Athletes. Okay, that is that's correct. Silly. So, you know, you it sounds like you're a one-man wrecking machine, but you have a, a board uh, and you have people on your board. So how, I mean, what does the board do? I mean, what's the, what's the purpose of your board? Well, again, I'm not sure the genesis of the question, but I'll answer the best I can, Mr. Tato. Okay. No problem. Um, my board is just like the board of any nonprofit organization. You have corporations that have boards. You have nonprofits that have nonprofit organizations that have boards. My board exists to make sure that the processes are in place 
to, or, to, to be able to operate as an institution. My board also exists uh, because they are supposed to be putting together a budget and then a campaign or a business process to raise funds in order for us to operate in the way that we need to and to be able to fund the programs that we have in place. And so each one of my board members has a unique place on our board, a unique talent, uh, and they really serve us well. And it's the strongest board we've ever had. Uh, however, it's the same board as any nonprofit organization. They're, they're there to serve and they're there to make sure that we continue to function and are funded in a way that will help us to do all of the things like the Watkins Award and the SAT scrimmages. And should we decide to do some type of a youth summit in a particular city, we could actually have the funding to do that. It's the way that we become effective and the backbone for the organization. Well, you know, before we get into a little bit more, I just want to give, you know, what credit is credit is due for people who help us out, jmasolutions.com. I always mention them, uh, Exotic Car Sharing, Ward Law Firm, uh, Auto Quick Lube, Magic Waste Valet. Uh, of course, Mr. Merlin Knight, he's he's quite a guy. And then I want to talk about S-A-N-A-A uh, Realty Group uh, that certainly uh, Miss A.C. Jones is the broker and she's a phenomenal lady. Uh, and certainly all of these individuals and others, we're looking forward to getting involved with others. SRG Group, which is a part of Miss A.C. Jones. Uh, we're looking forward to getting involved with other sponsors, advertisers, people to help us out. So that means we got a a major event coming up in March. So at that major event, what happens at that event, uh, Mr. Pearsall? Well, you know, uh, things are still a little bit in flux because every time you turn on the television, you see that, you know, there are different strains of, of the pandemic and all those types of things going on. So um, again, more specific to your question, we have what we call our Watkins Award weekend in Washington, D.C. And that weekend includes an opportunity to bring uh, the kids who we are honoring this particular year and their parents into D.C. and to be celebrated for what they represent off the field. Throughout the course of that weekend, we continue to um, celebrate them in different ways, but they'll have an opportunity to get a tour of the Washington, D.C. greater area. Um, a lot of the highlighted things within D.C., um, your fair city, as well as a tour of the African-American Museum. But we also do some workshops and we engage them on speaking and things that we could do for the embitterment. In the past, we've also done a teen summit or we visited schools and given uh, our, again, examples of excellence, the opportunity to get in front of youth in Washington, D.C. And then it climaxes. Uh, with an event whereby we highlight the kids overall. And it's been a black tie gala in the past, and it'll be something similar again. But this gala will also uh, be live, and people will be able to do a pay-per-view uh, of this gala, be able to sign in, pay, and attend and view the award ceremony that we'll be having, uh, again, in the Washington, D.C. area. And so it's a three-day action-packed weekend for the families and all those who want to engage and be a part of what we're doing. So uh, let me just go backwards just a little bit uh, and go backwards to uh, the board. 
because you got a phenomenal board. I heard you talk about them. Is it anywhere that someone can go and, and look up information uh, as far as see the board members, their names and people like you and, and myself? <laughs> I mean, is, is it somewhere on the Internet they can go and get this information in one place or do they have to search around? So uh, essentially, you know, we know that information about you, Coach Tate, uh, as world renowned as you are, can be found anywhere. Just Google your name. But for the Alliance and little peons like myself, if you go to our website, it's www.nisandancy, followed by four A's.com. That's N-A-A-A-A.com. Well, modesty will get you everywhere. You know, you got to. <laughs> You know, your tongue started turning silver as you were speaking. It was just dripping all over your shirt. Uh, but there's something that goes on every year, uh, at least for the past couple of years, it was canceled. But otherwise, is there somewhere where we can can uh, see a preview of some of the young men that will be candidates for the Watkins Award leading into that banquet, that possible banquet day in March of 2022? Well, we'll announce it on the website as well. But uh, again, we're working on some of the multimedia that builds up to it. I will also say that we'll be announcing who those individuals are on January the 2nd at the Under Armour All-American game. And I believe that game is scheduled for 6 or 7 o'clock p.m. That's when we announce who those five individuals are. And then we start building toward the event uh, that we'll be having in Washington, D.C. So that Under Armour game is a, a big game, isn't it? It's absolutely a huge game. Uh, it is probably considered to be um, the most uh, aggressive, the most competitive, and, and the best high school athletes in the country competing at this game. And they get a chance to practice against one another. But more importantly, under Armour talks to them about all the important things off the field as well. And then they get to compete against one another on the field during the game. And you see the best of the best from all over the country coming down to Orlando. And, you know, they take it seriously. And when they get, you know, when they get a chance to be honored by being a part of the Under Armour game, it's the who's who. And we've had a number of Watkins men that have been a part of that. That's what I was going to ask you. Where was it located? So here's what I'm going to do before our guest comes up. Uh, one of the things that I want to do, Mr. Pearson, I want to put this on you. Uh, for the first, let's say, 10 people, 10 people who send Mr. Pearson an email, they can get uh, a, a complimentary ticket from Mr. Pearson himself for that Under Armour game. Is that okay that I do that, Mr. Pearson? Oh, I think we can accomplish that. Can I do that. that on you? Can I put that on your wallet, Mr. Pearson? I, I'll, even, I'll, I'll autograph the ticket if you want me to. That's what I'd like <laughs> you to do, Mr. Pearson. So that means you're going to get the, any for 10 people who send you an email to your email address or send you a DM, the first 10 people can get a free ticket to that Under Armour game. Is that is that okay to say it that way? Hey, look, like the scroll would say, let it be written, let it be done. Well, thank you very <laughs> much, Mr. Pearsaw. And I'm sure we can think of some other 
uh, things that we can do with those 10 individuals at the uh, Under Armour game. And we'll even post the pictures online after the game. Can we do that, Mr. Pearsall, on you your can. website? You okay. can, absolutely. Can they take a picture with you as well, Mr. Pearsall? Absolutely. Okay, okay. Well, I appreciate <laughs> so I, That would be more of an honor for me than the individuals. <laughs> okay, well, we'll appreciate Now, again, let me get to one last thing. And I know that you, you don't have a lot of time to do it. But you typically have something called the game of the week. Uh, do you have any report on your game of the week? Something briefly you can tell us about? Well, again, this is the final. So uh, I won't summarize all of them because I've had a chance to talk about some of them. But our final game of the week uh, was South Carolina against Clemson. This gave me an opportunity to go down and see someone at the beginning of their career in college football and someone at the end of their career in college football. The person at the end of their college career is Justin Foster. Justin Foster is at Clemson University. And this is now his fourth year at Clemson University, actually his fifth. So last year, unfortunately, Justin had to retire from football because of COVID-19. Um, he had a pre-existing condition where he had asthma. And when he caught COVID about two or three weeks before training camp started, um, he tried to recover by going back after two or three weeks to resume practice. And in doing so, recognized that he would be out of breath and he couldn't do some of the simple mundane things, um, let alone the rigors that will come along with practicing and playing the sport of football at the highest level for Clemson University. And so he tried to work his way back into shape, uh, but rapidly you know, realized that you know, essentially uh, he was not gonna be able to compete. And so it's a, a very large article and well-documented um, that he, you know, it broke his heart to, be, to have to give up a game that he wanted to play uh, last year. The beginning of this year, you know, he started working out again and he felt much better. And so, again, it is also well documented that he made his comeback and decided that he was going to rejoin the team. Uh, his lungs were operating at an 80, 90 percent capacity. And through conditioning, he'd be able to resume uh, activities as he was before he caught COVID. And so he began the season and worked out and dug into it. And number 35 was out there every game. They had him on a little bit of a pitch count, uh, but he was a NFL caliber player. As you know, uh, the Clemson Tigers pretty much send one or two and in one year, four defensive linemen to the NFL. And so for him to be participating at defensive line at the University of Clemson in today's day and age is almost a straight ticket to the NFL. They had him on a little bit of a pitch count. You know, I think that the, in the beginning, he, he played 20 plays and, and went to 30 and pretty much... Uh, by the end of the season, he was playing as many snaps as they needed him to play on the field. We did talk after the game, uh, and it is his decision that he wanted to leave the game on his own terms. And, and this would be his last game at Clemson. But again, uh, he felt that he was conquered last year. Um, he conquered what, what, what he went through last year, should I say, and being able to get out on the field. More importantly, 
Uh, he graduated uh, with a 3.5 GPA at Clemson University. And uh, he and I are going to be meeting and talking about some of his entrepreneurial endeavors that are already in place. And so here's what I'd tell you about Watkins, guys. You know, one guy told me when he was in the NFL, be careful when you start thinking about what you're going to do after the game, because the moment that you spend more time doing that, it's that that you'll end up doing. And what I mean by that is uh, his options were limited, but he said, I had to really focus on football because it's all I really had. And I didn't spend the time developing myself and doing the things I, do, I needed to do to transition, which made it a difficult transition. For an individual who is a Watkins man, and one of the things that I want them to show other individuals is the ability to prepare yourself off the field so that at some point in life, knowing that the average career in the NFL is only three years or less, the average in the NFL, three years or less, you need to be prepared for the rest of your life. So at some point, you're going to be doing something other than the sport of football. And the better you prepare yourself with that Clemson degree, the better you prepare yourself with the relationships that you have, the better that you prepare yourself off the field and acting like an individual with character, with humility and intelligence, the easier your transition is to the next step in your life, whatever it might be. And for Justin, this transition already began. And he can roll right out of this semester knowing that he went back and played football and he left the football field on his own terms, not because someone told him he couldn't or not because whatever happened with COVID that actually exposed a pre-existing condition, you know, kind of put his body in a position that it wasn't able to perform. Very proud of this young man, very proud of his spirit and very proud of who he was able to accomplish by even getting on the field and getting out there and banging for the entire season at Clemson University. And so I'm very, very happy for him. Well, Second individual, uh-huh. I'm sorry. No, go ahead, go ahead. Second so, individual, I know I was long-winded, but I really had to give you uh, really something that from my heart um, on Justin Foster. Well, no, second- I'm going to say something about Justin, but go ahead. We'll come back to Justin. Absolutely. So the second individual in Terrell Hemingway, a.k.a. Tonka Hemingway, uh, is in the beginning of his career. And so this is uh, like a really a freshman year for him because his first year was last year during the COVID season. And you know that the schedule was there were a lot of games that were canceled. It was just uh, one that, you know, from an eligibility standpoint, uh, it doesn't really count toward individuals that decided to play. But really from a rhythm, from a learning, from a workout perspective. Most individuals that started football at the college level last year were severely hampered in terms of being able to make that step to the next level of performance. Uh, But Tonka really got on the field and had a substantial amount of playing time last year and actually is the starting defensive end for the South Carolina Gamecocks right now. What I love about Tonka, and what, again, you guys don't know, is we're talking about an individual that carried a four- Point eight GPA coming out of high school. Did you hear what I just said? Did you hear what I just said? No, I, well, (laughs) repeat that again, please. 4.8 GPA. As a football player? As a football player, as the top 
defensive lineman in the nation. Wait, yes, I said it. So he only played football. <laughs> he played school. football. He did some track and field, mainly field events, and he played basketball. Get out of here. <laughs> Three sport athlete. Very good at all. Exceptional at football. And so he is getting better and better and better. And I had an opportunity to spend time with his mom, his dad, and his brother down there. And his brother actually was a receiver for one of our Watkins guys uh, at Michigan, Devin Gardner, who we had on the show some months ago. And so it was great to spend time with them. They tailgated. It was in the, the Thanksgiving spirit of things. And we had a phenomenal time down there. Unfortunately, uh, they came out on the losing end, meaning South Carolina, to Clemson. Clemson played pretty well as the season had progressed. Uh, but again, Justin went out with a victory in his career. And Tonka, I'm telling you right now, next year, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. The SEC is on notice right now. Great experience. Great game of the week. Tons of fun. Now, Boy, you had something I, to say about I'm about, about exhausted Justin. by listening to you. <laughs> I, I'm I'm exhausted by listening to you, but I do want to say, in terms of Justin is concerned, I'm not going to uh, say, but so much. But that young man needs to write a book. I mean, he got a real story. I mean, a real story, and I'll leave it at that. So, Mr. Pearsall, here's I, I want to ask you this because you've been involved with the Watkins. Uh, award from the inception so in your opinion in your opinion because I know that I have my own and you have your own but in your opinion talk to me about an extraordinary so I think I've got some technical difficulties I don't know if it's you being able to hear me from high school to college Yes, I can I, hear you. I apologize. Can you repeat that question? You locked up on me a little bit. I'm not sure if it's my okay. connection or yours. But if you can repeat that question, I'll certainly jump on it. You, you know, you've been a part of the Watkins from its inception. So yes. tell me, in your opinion, one or two of some extraordinary stories of young men that you have met doing your time involved with the National Alliance of African-American Athletes? Uh, you know, that's a tough one. When you talk about one or two, I've honored over 100. And I believe that every one of them, which many of our viewers and listeners have had an opportunity to uh, meet on the show and get to know them with us, um, every one of them are pretty exceptional. So it's very difficult for me to pick one or two. I'm just going to just kind of come off the cuff. I, you with, want with, me to pick them? You can pick them, but but I'll, I'll do note one thing I'll say, and then I want you to pick to pick one or two, and then I'll talk about them. But okay. one thing I want to note, but I was, I was going to jump on the most recent, which is the Kobe Dean, you know, okay. because I got a, you know, I got notification today on my phone that he is the SEC Defensive Player of the Year. SEC Defensive wait, Player wait a of the Year. Wait, I'm wait, talking wait, about the Southeastern Conference now. Wait SEC. a minute. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Before you start talking about N'Kobe Dean, this young man is from a small town, isn't he? Horn Lake, Mississippi. Horn Lake, Mississippi. Yep. 
If you haven't heard of it, you never heard of it. Now. <laughs> You've heard of it now. <laughs> so how can a kid come out of a small town like that? What was his GPA? 4.0. Number well, one linebacker in the country with a 4.0. Wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. You telling me this guy was a Watkins guy with a 4.0. Number one linebacker. You said number one. You didn't say number three. Maybe. I, <laughs> I mean, you heard it right. Is there any way that you can qualify being number one linebacker in the country? Well, you know, there are a ton of pollsters out there that are watching these kids. Is play there one award level. that you oh, can? Uh, one award? One award. Repeat that question. Is there, Is one, there award? one award that? He has received that kind of separates him from everyone else. The Watkins Award, <laughs> but it's also for linebackers. Linebackers, the Buckets Award, the Buckets Award, and he won the Buckets Award. Well, that is correct. Is that the same Buckets that played for the Chicago Bears? That is the reckless wrecking crew, Dick Buckets, named after him himself. So he's in college. So so. I mean, to be that elite player, I mean, what type of uh, major does he have uh, at the University of Georgia? He's at Georgia. So what kind of major does he have? We we don't play these kind of games, Tyrone. This cat is a mechanical engineering major and currently carrying a 3.7 GPA at the University of Georgia while playing football at this high level. Repeat that again. 3.7 GPA in mechanical engineering while participating for the number one team in the nation, Georgia Bulldogs football program. From a place called Horn Lake, Mississippi. Horn Lake, Mississippi, baby. (laughs) Write it down. Uh, okay, so, so you didn't kick it off. Uh, this kid, Nicole, did he, SEC Defensive Player of the Year. And again, uh, again, we have a long history of individual stories like this. However, I'm going to tell you, the message just came across my phone today, and hence, it's at the top of my head. We have these stories over and well, over and over. But Nicole is an example of a Watkins man. Well, Here, this guy is the number. When you hear the football game, they'll talk about him. And you know how they open it up? You know how they open it up? How they open it up? They've got N'Kobe Dean, the best linebacker in college football today. And he's a mechanical engineering major. Wait, hold it. He's just a junior. <laughs> just how a can junior. you get all these accolades <laughs> as, a, as a junior? He's still got a year to go. <laughs> still got a year to go. And he's already conquered this thing in just three years operating at the highest level of anyone at his position in college football, where there are tens of thousands of participants. Okay. Let me, let me just throw a name out to you. Uh, And and I'm going to throw a name out to you who hasn't been on the show. So you, you give me, you give me your assessment uh, of, of this guy. Uh, uh, Mine role. I tell you, Myron Rowe was, was special for a number of reasons. And, and I think that the, the country now 
has really gotten to know him even more during the pandemic and on CNN. Uh, they've seen Dr. Roll talk about some of the challenges in dealing with the pandemic. But let me rewind. Dr. Um, Roll. Dr. Roll now, baby. It's Dr. Roll. So when I met Dr. Roll early on, uh, he was actually attending high school up in uh, New Jersey. And I went up to his private school to see him play. I uh, had an opportunity to meet his mom and his dad and, and a couple of his brothers on that particular day. And, and I watched them. And it, was, it was really a weird game to watch because what I'd found out leading up to that game uh, was that at the running back position, a lot of the teams that were playing against them had developed a scheme where they had three and four and five people just torpedoing in to potentially damage him, right? Get him out of the game. And so what they were doing to prevent that is that they were flanking him out at like a slot receiver position. And so I'm scratching my head and I'm like, why am I looking at the number one recruit in the country not playing the position that he's listed at? And so that had to be explained to me, but I watched him perform even at a position that wasn't his own at an extremely high level. I go on to learn that not only is he the number one recruit, in the nation, he had 84 Division One scholarship offers. Whoa, 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 whoa! 84. You sure you didn't get that number wrong? 84. You sure that wasn't a three, and you misunderstood it was an eight? I, I don't know what Division One school was left. <laughs> 84 Division One offers. <laughs> so this young man decides to go up there and uh, developed his football skills under the tutelage of Bobby Bowden. And for hear tell from him and, and others, Bobby did a wonderful job of understanding the challenges, uh, similar to what Nicobe Dean has gone through, the challenges of handling a, a, an extremely tough subject matter, pre-med, and yet playing football. And so there are labs and there are things that would happen during the course of a week that potentially interfered with a practice or something that was football related. Bobby, so dedicated, God rest his soul, to making sure that Myron could accomplish his goal of being a physician would allow him to miss practices or other um, events that were football related if it interfered with the things that he had to do in the classroom and the labs. Hence, he went on to graduate. And guess how many years? Uh, well, it takes four to get out. Oh, no. <clears throat> Two and a half. <laughs> Two and a half. <laughs> what was he majoring in? Pre-med. He's going to be a doctor. <laughs> and he finished school in two and a half years. Got his master's and also became a Rhodes Scholar. A Rhodes Scholar. Now, I live in Maryland. And so he came to Maryland to play in a game that was highly televised. And in fact, it was a time where he was, it conflicted. And and this goes on to to show how Florida State and Bobby Bowden were dedicated to him as an individual off the field. He had an interview for the Rhodes Scholarship. And it was at the same time that the football game was supposed to start or shortly before. Okay. He went to the interview. How could he pull this off? He went to the interview, the interview and they took the private jet and flew him to Maryland. 
Come on. And man. he ran on the field in the first quarter come on, to, come on, to, to, to play the football game. And that's a, it's, it's, it's documented. You can YouTube it. They'll show him running on the field in the first quarter to play the football game because he had an interview for the Rhodes Scholarship. Well, I'll dare say there's not a, a coach out there that probably would have gone along with that. You telling me this guy that I see on MSNBC, CNN, ABC, CBS, NBC, you telling me that this is the same guy who finished pre-med in two and a half years? Yes. Yes. Well, Isn't that crazy? Rumor says he got his master's in eight months. So it's no way in the world you can get a master's that quick. He got a master's in eight months? Graduated in three years with his undergraduate and his master's degree and went on and, and finished up his Rhodes Scholarship abroad. So Amazing, right? So he finishes. I mean, so when he finished this Rhodes Scholarship and gets another degree. So that's three degrees now. Correct. He got, a math, he got two masters and an undergrad degree. So now he goes back to school. Goes back to school. Now he goes back. So uh, skip that now. Now, after the Rhodes Scholarship, he comes back and gets drafted into the NFL. What, what, goes what? On to, what? After the Rhodes Scholarship? After the Rhodes Scholarship. He, he takes a year back. away from football. Goes abroad. This a Watkins guy? This is a Watkins guy. You sure he's not a robot? Or you not imagining this stuff? Well, you know, he certainly appears to be a bionic man of another universe. But no, he's a Watkins guy. And they all amazed me like this. Uh, But he went over to get the Rhodes Scholarship. After a year, he came back, went into the NFL draft, went to play for the Titans and the Pittsburgh Steelers in the NFL. And so he performed at the highest level on the football field. Then he left the sport and went on to continue to pursue his medical career, where he went down to Florida State for medical school, finished there, and then went up to Harvard to do his residency. And he is quite an example of what we talk about when we say Watkins Hall. So he's just a a regular doctor now. (laughs) Brain surgeon! Brain surgeon! You Like a urologist? Nah, man, nah. He's opening up your dome, trying to figure out what's going on in the complexities of the brain and fixing it. Okay. All right. <laughs> now, you start getting beyond me when you start asking me what a brain surgeon does. When you talk about all the neurons and all the electrical circuitry that goes on within the brain, you know, now, I'm not as smart as you, Coach no. Tate, so I know that you got stuff firing at much more rapid pace than I do. But yes, brain surgery. Well, you got a lot of people out there that think you need some help right now. Because as I say, the views and opinions of the the Watkins Award are those of T. Tate and J. Everett Pearsall. So you got some people out there thinking your opinion is all messed up here right now. Your your views are way out in left field. But I want to ask you about another player. I mean, because this guy is small. And, you know, I just want to know, Ted Ginn Jr. Very good question. And I tell you, I've talked to Ted, and Ted will be on one of the upcoming shows um, as he has officially retired from the NFL. And we'll see, you know, that doesn't mean he can't come back because I've seen a lot of people unretire. Ted Ginn is really special. Back in 2004, I had an opportunity to come to the acquaintance of 
of Coach Ginn and his son, Ted Ginn. Ted Ginn Sr. and Ted Ginn Jr. out in Cleveland, Ohio. And so not knowing, you know, how, you know, how legendary he was in the city of Cleveland, you know, I, I didn't get a chance to see him play football, but I did get to see him run track. And uh, he was a uh, state qualified medalist in track as well. One of the fastest guys I've ever seen play the sport. And so let me rewind. And so in 2004, uh, we honored him for the Watkins Award. But when I went there, I saw that this guy was something special. He played receiver. He played running back. He played quarterback. He played corner. He played any position on that football field. He was tough. He was fast. He had all the requisite tools you needed in order to be successful. And let me tell you, his dad used them all. He put his son in every position that he had a gap. His son never complained. He didn't say, you know, I'm the best corner in the country. I don't want to play quarterback. Or I'm the best receiver in the country. I don't want to play corner. Wherever there was a need, he got on the football field and far exceeded any expectations that were out there. When I talk about his grade point average, I'm talking about a 3.7 in high school. Now, again, you're talking about one of the most elite guys that ever existed uh, in the state of Ohio. One of the biggest names. This individual then goes on to Ohio State and he catches one ball across the middle at about 10 yards past the line of scrimmage, takes that thing for 80 yards. Coach Tressel called up and said, I don't think he's going to play corner, coach. You know, I, uh, if he does that a couple more times, we're going to have to leave him at receiver. <laughs> and the story goes, number ninth pick to the Miami Dolphins, 14 years, two Super Bowl appearances in the NFL, and now at his retirement stage. Still probably the fastest guy in the NFL right now. I'll bet if you put, if you put on spikes and put him on the track, Legend has it, he actually ran against and edged out Usain Bolt. <laughs> okay, I want to go to another guy. Give me, and these are these are Watkins, these are Watkins men, as you call it. Watkins men, Watkins men. Okay, next guy, Gerald McCoy. Oh boy, and so. Yet another one that will be on the show here in short order. Uh, Jim McCoy uh, rears out of Oklahoma um, and Oklahoma City, to be exact. And so went down there to see uh, Gerald and, and, and got everything in front of him in terms of competing for our award and, and which he did. Um, and Gerald, you know, really just a humble man of faith is something that struck me. I had an opportunity to spend time with his mom. Uh, and his dad and his sisters. And I tell you, boy, what a special individual. But he goes on to compete for the Watkins Award and becomes an elite class of 2006 for the Watkins Award. And I'll, I'll dare say that every one of the that year, four individuals played professional football, believe it or not. We've had uh, one or two of them on the show. I know we had Brian Browning on the show. But anyway, at any rate, um, he goes on to play for Oklahoma University. Uh -huh. And let me tell you one of the things that let you know how special he was. After his junior year, he was already noted as the best defensive tackle in the country. He said, his, unfortunately, God rest her soul, uh, Pat, his mom passed away 
from a brain aneurysm when he was a freshman in college. He promised her he would graduate. And so uh, when I talked to him on the phone and I talked to his dad and kind of gave him all the information necessary to make whatever decision they thought they were comfortable with, uh, he said, uh, I'm going to honor my wish to my mother, come back my senior year, play at Oklahoma, and walk across that stage with my degree. As well, he did. Mm. Number four, picking the draft, went to Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now in his 11th season in the NFL, five Pro Bowls later, five Pro Bowls later, you know, he's accomplished at the highest level. There are people in the Hall of Fame that don't have five Pro Bowls under their belt. Just let me tell you that. Uh, Unfortunately, this season was ended by a a bit of a setback in terms of an injury. But by and large, um, I would say that he's had the most illustrious uh, football career of any Watkins guy that we've had so far. And if you talk to him, you would never know it. You would never have any idea of all the things that he's been able to accomplish. He's spoken to a number of kids in in the Tampa community. Um, he has his own foundation in Oklahoma where he does annual events and he also has tutoring and mentorship that he's done out there in that area. Um, and he's a father of five. Um, so he and his wife, uh, really have a span of, of kids that he's really creating a legacy on. And, uh, as he, I would say, dare say, the uh, nearest, the back end of his career in the NFL, uh, his legacy as a Watkins man. It's pristine. He's been a stellar member of every community that he's been a part of and a great example of of folks um, that, you know, have come through the Watkins program and represent Watkins men and Watkins families all over the country. He has changed the lives of tens of thousands of kids. I went down to Tampa uh, for a Christmas holiday event where he had roughly 100 disenfranchised um, uh, economically disenfranchised families there, and he gave them bicycles and, and, and PlayStations and Madden games. And I'm talking about they walked away with probably somewhere in the realm of $500 worth of gifts each. They walked out rolling bikes and roller skates, and it was, just, it was amazing to see a Watkins man uh, really all about our business, which is giving back to the community. Absolutely astounded, you know, by his heart. So, Can't be any bigger. Uh, so, you know, these Watkins guys got the GPAs. Uh, they're incredible athletes. They're involved in the communities. But I want to ask you about one uh, that, you know, I, I guess this isn't a prerequisite to be considered, but it just seems that these Watkins men set themselves apart. So I want to ask you about one in particular. What do you, what's your assessment of him willing to put himself out there on this, this planet by himself? And the young man who uh, is also a Watkins honoree is Eric Reed Jr., so it's it's uh, Eric Reed has always been a man of, of strong will. Um, when I had an opportunity to go see him play uh, in high school, 
and and then at, at LSU, and I'll, I'll, I'll start out by high school. Um, I think that particular game, uh, he may have been injured and didn't participate in the game, but I decided to go and see him. And so, you know, he sat up next to me, and we got a chance. To, oh, he did participate. It was at LSU when he was on a recruiting trip, and I went to LSU for a game to see a Watkins guy, and he came to visit. Again, um, please forgive me for that hiccup, but he told me, I've read up on your award and I'm going to win it. <laughs> and I said, well, I like your spirit. Uh, but again, you've got some work to do. You've got some heavy competition, but I would love nothing more than for you to be part of this class of Watkins men. And he did it. He followed through and he actually did it. Um, but as you know, uh, he's become very well known for what he has done off the field as well. And as much as, as part of the NFL that he partnered with, uh, sort of the protest for police brutality by kneeling during the flag. And, and he actually has stood up for what his convictions are and what his beliefs are. And no amount of money can, can steal a man's pride and no amount of money you really can, can buy your soul. And he stood fast with his convictions and he stood fast for all the things that yeah, he and his family represent. And, you know, I'm proud of him for that. Well, Mr. Pearsall, it's been an incredible day with you. I, I must admit, I enjoyed this. Now, I don't want our our listeners to think that uh, we talked about Ben Tate in the beginning, but Ben had an emergency that came up that caused him to miss this particular show. Uh, you do have proof in the back. You have a jersey back there. <laughs> and, of course, that's not his jersey when he was at Auburn. You was yeah. I mean, you talk of being a lucky guy. You know, you got a a jersey. I I presume that's his Houston jersey since it's a Doc jersey. Back there. Well, Houston, Texas, baby. Well, Mr. Pierce, the music has come up, and you know, I really appreciate this time when we talk about these incredible young men uh, with the Watkins Award, man. I mean, it is. Just blown my mind, and I hope the audience has seen the type of young men who become a part of this organization. Well, you get at it, ladies and gentlemen. You got Coach TJ here, and my my good friend, and certainly my right hand man, who gave us a lot of information today. Jay Everett off. We're here on the Watkins Award again. We appreciate you stopping by and listening to us, giving us a view. If you want more information, stop by the website, www.naaa.com. We appreciate you, and we'll see you next Monday at this time. Jay Everett Pearsall, all right, appreciate you, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate you too, brother.
Put your mind to it 